Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel and my favorite birthday cake I ever had was in 2018. So this was uh, shortly after I had come out as trans and, and moved. It was about a, a month after and uh, one of my new housemates baked me a birthday cake and, and dyed all the icing and dyed all the cake, the trans pride colors. And it was it was a homemade cake. It was very sweet. And I, I enjoyed that very much. That was a very warm welcome into a new home. My name is Brian Dawes. And my favorite birthday cake was when I was turning 13. I don't remember the exact year. And I'm not going to try to figure that out right now. But it was a simple Baskin Robbins birthday cake with my name on it. But the memories surrounded is what made my made it my favorite. It was the my birthday where I got my first game system, Nintendo 64, with Goldeneye, and it was awesome. And I'm Chris Delano, and my favorite birthday cake was when I was a very young kid. I think I was like, it must have been when I turned nine years old, because it was right after The Phantom Menace had come out. And my brother and I's birthdays are a day apart from each other. And we have to share a birthday cake. And my birthday cake that year, my half of the birthday cake, had Star Wars uh, decorations all over it. And it came with a little plastic R2-D2. And I kept that little tiny unmoving plastic R2-D2 for years. Parents need to stop getting laid at the same time. <laughs> I Someone I used to date had the same birthday as her brother. Like, you, you can't do that. You can't do that, parents. That's like my piece of advice for this episode. Oh boy. Divvy up your sex schedule. Jesus. Oh no. My brother is four years older than me. Exactly. Because when you factor in the leap year, we have the same birthday. Oh no. What? This is way... No, no. Let's move on. Continue. (laughs) Anyway, the whole point is that uh, it is uh, officially our second birthday episode for this very podcast uh the vorthos cast first got published uh two years ago on uh, february 27th 2018 so somehow it's two years later already it feels like we just started i don't know where the time goes but uh yeah so uh you know other than our normal news and 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 listener questions we're gonna uh, spend this episode kind of doing a little reminiscing about the past year and and looking forward to the next year. But uh, before I get to that, we do have some news. So the first piece of news is that uh, just in time for our little Theros mini-adventure, the Dungeons & Dragons half of Wizards of the Coast is publishing a new guide called Mythic Odysseys of Theros. This is their second crossover uh, after the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica came out shortly after Guilds of Ravnica, the set, was published. And uh, yeah, this will be out actually terribly, terribly timed for our uh, little adventure. But uh, we, you know, we may do. Uh, This has got amazing cover art. There's an alternate art cover that looks like it would be fantastic on the side of an 80s van. It's got, hopefully, lots of exciting new things. Um, oh, it does. There, There's a lot in this. Chris, tell us about some of the new things. So I have a lot of friends who are really into D&D, uh, not surprising anyone who don't play Magic at all and know nothing about Magic, uh, actually asked me, like, is Theros a world in Magic? To which I had to remind them that I sent them links to the podcast 
and they clearly <laughs> didn't listen to it. Well, they better. You tell your friends to listen to the damn podcast. I am going to do that. But uh, the thing that they're really excited about is this book is actually providing a lot of sort of character customization options and sort of character building options that people are really interested in, specifically getting the supernatural gift from the god, uh, things like the mythic monsters, the sort of like these systems that they've sort of talked about in previous books or they've referenced in Unearthed Arcanas, which I'll talk about uh, in a second here, that they're officially putting into a D&D book. What I'm really excited about is that this is just another time where the Unearthed Arcanas that the D&D team release sort of gave us a premonition of the future. So D&D releases Unearthed Arcanas, I think it's like every week. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. It used to be every month, but now it's accelerated a lot in the past couple months. Yeah, they're cool. Like... They're cool as hell. If you ever track them down, it's just like experimental playtest stuff. Some of it gets to be real, some of it doesn't. It's it's really neat. I've I've adapted some of it into some of my D and D stuff in the last year. Yeah, they they released I think like a month or two ago, Unearthed Arcana's for uh, a Bard College of Eloquence and a Paladin Oath of Heroism in the same Unearthed Arcana, which was a clear sign because they both read very Theros to me when I saw them. And I was like, oh, they're doing a Theros book. But I couldn't, like, prove anything. But they did the same thing with the Ravnica book, where they did specifically the one I remember was the Circle of Spores Druid, which was when you read it, you're like, this is a Golgari Druid. And it turned out that was exactly what it was. It was a Golgari Druid. Um, the Paladin will be the Oath of Glory in the Theros uh, Mythic Odysseys of Theros book. But I'm very excited about it. And I think we'll talk about it more when it comes out and we actually have a chance to sort of read it. Can't wait. It comes out uh, June 2nd this year. So, uh, you know, we did a whole episode on the Guildmaster's Guide when that came out. So we'll probably do the same for this one. Um, like, I, I don't even use these books that much, but like... You gave me a hardcover book with lots of lore bits in it, so I'm probably going to pick that one up um, just just to have it because they're cool. Um, and uh, hopefully hopefully we can revisit that maybe in the future. It might come up. You know, someone might play a Leonin character. Also, the fact that they're making Leonin, uh, Leonin a race when they had Tabaxi, and we thought they would just reuse Tabaxi, but no, they're doing a whole different race. Sweet. Speaking of new fancy things, uh, there was a secret layer drop that I think we could have talked about last week. I forget what the schedule looked like, uh, but we didn't talk about it last week, so we'll talk about it now. Uh, and this is uh, Thalia Beyond the Hell Vault. Uh, so this is a new secret layer to be paired with a new historic card expansion thing for Arena. Um, one of the cards being added is the ever popular Thalia Guardian of Thraven, the Two mana, two, one, first strike. That makes non-creature spells cost one more to cast. So Thalia is really popular in taxes decks and uh, humans decks. Uh, she sees play in modern and legacy. I don't know vintage. I don't know vintage well much at all. Uh, and she's also a pretty popular cube card. So uh, this comes with four copies of Thalia. So a full play set. Each one of them with new art from a moment in Thalia's life. And a flavor text to go along with it. So uh, these are going live with the arena update uh on thursday uh march 12th so if you want some thalias pick these up they they are also foil they are very sweet looking 
Thalia is a key piece of the Maverick deck and Legacy, which Maverick was the only Legacy deck I ever actually owned, like a real full copy of the deck. Because you don't have to buy Force of Will. You do not. I did buy Force of Will uh, at one point um, and then sold them when they spiked. It was actually really good for me. But anyways, uh, Thalia is one of my favorite characters in all of Magic, and I am almost definitely picking up this secret layer, which is saying something because I haven't bought a single secret layer yet. But this one is like designed for me. Uh, And then our third little piece of news is that uh, this past week, we learned uh, the final slot in the LGS version of the Mystery Boosties. Uh, The playtest cards are only in the convention version, and those will still be played at conventions. But LGSs have an exclusive version of Mystery Boosties that come with a premium foil in every pack. These are 121 foils that are not cards from the rest of the set. Uh, the list is up on the Wizards website. We'll link to it. And uh, there's some spicy stuff on there. Uh, Minamo, uh, one of the legendary lands from Kamigawa, is on there. Those are hella expensive because they only have one printing. Reki, the history of Kamigawa, is on there. Uh, Braid of Fire, Intruder Alarm, Send Triplets. There's there's some really heavy-hitting stuff. Uh, there's also some, like, jokey stuff, so, like, Stormcrow, Chimney Imp, and Hornet Sting are all in there, which is goofy. F- oh, and one with nothing. So that's, like, goofy fun. Uh, it it looks like it's going to add a lot of weirdness to this product that if could use any more weirdness, they figured it out. It's it's literally, I've, I've dry- I only have drafted it once, but it's literally the most fun draft I have ever had, and not just because I 3-0'd. I could have not played any of the games, and the draft itself was exhilaratingly exciting. Because you just you just almost never see the same cards. It's so fun. It, it plays a lot like Cube, uh, but with like even more variants. It's, it's like Cube meets Chaos Draft. Uh, and, and that LGS version is coming out this Friday, uh, March 13th. So head down to your local game store and draft some mystery boosties. I know we're a Vorthos podcast, but please go play some magic. It's so much fun. I love that you're calling it mystery boosties. That's what they're called. It's mystery boosties. (laughs) Sure, let's go with that. (laughs) I think this is going to be one of like the best products of the year. And probably one of the best products Wizards has done in a long time. And I don't know if we've quite grasped how cool this is because it hasn't hit local game stores yet. Um, And once it does, it's going to just, I feel like, going to take off like wildfire. My LGS is doing drafts. They're going to be $20 entry. And the way that they always do their prize support is that the winner of the draft, the person who goes 3-0, gets uh, $40, enough for two drafts, and the runner-up gets $20, enough for one more draft. And I feel like they are going to go through multiple drafts in a night because there's pretty much no way that you can draft this product and walk away without having gotten some really cool, potentially valuable on the secondary market cards. Even if you're not like MTG financing your way through the set... There are just, like, so many format staples, uh, like, especially if you play Commander. Like, they don't need to be, like, $40 Commander staples for you to want them. Like, even just, like, a $3 Commander staple here and there in packs is, is like, good value. They, like, it's just, there are so many cards that people just want that exist in this set. 
And like, you may not get them. You may get them. I don't know. Like, I I opened up Perforos out of out of one of my packs. Um, I've I I've I did one draft, uh, three owed, and prize packs came in mystery boosties, which I just cracked because they're very exciting, and I love opening packs. Like I, there's like a Perforos, a Vigor, an Elish Norn, uh, a Teferi's Protection got passed to me in the draft. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Weathered Wayfarer, Ashnod's Altar, uh, Hidden Stockpiles, a great one. Uh, I love commons and uncommons that are great in Commander. Demonic Tutor, which is an uncommon in the Mystery Boosters. Yup, it sure is. Uh, Pat the Exiles in there, I know. Um, just t- so much great stuff. Go draft Mystery Boosties. So that's going to be it for news. And uh, we'll move on to some listener questions because we're doing those again because we kind of have time to do them again, actually, which is nice because this is how we used to do most episodes. Uh, so we got uh, three three quick kind of questions. Uh, the first is, uh, these are all from Tumblr now. Uh, we have a Tumblr blog. We are the Forthos cast on Tumblr. Uh, and on Twitter, that's that's our name on all the the social things. But uh, we we get some questions on Tumblr. I check it occasionally. Uh, this one is from at Duality six two six five, and the question is: What character are you most hoping gets a card in Commander Legends who doesn't already have one? And I'm 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 gonna limit y'all to like two, because we could talk about this. Like we could do a whole series of episodes predicting for Commander Legends. Uh, which is a, a draft set coming out later this year that's featuring 70 new commanders. Uh, some of them are old legends with bad cards that are getting better cards. Some of them are old characters who never got cards or are getting cards. Some of them are totally new characters appearing for the first time. The Gorka and Chester or Sash and Waistcoat from the Onslaught novels? No. Yes. You at th- Those were my opinions. That That's my answer to the question. End of story. Your Doesn't opinions matter. involve Otaria, and I don't like it. You can have them, <laughs> but I don't have to like it. That's fair. I don't I care. I don't have to like Corona narratives. Don't care. We are getting a Jessica Planeswalker, though. That's dope. What better time to do it than with that? That's that's actually fair. <laughs> I, I will admit that. Uh, Lorelai, are you answering this question? Are you allowed to talk about this set? I don't remember. Oh, oh I, I did not work on this set. I have literally no idea what's in this set. I hate that I don't know what it's, is in this set because it's like the perfect set for me. But you go first. Okay, because I didn't want to take one of yours, so I'm going to let you do one because I think I know one you're going to say. No, do um, yours. I, I Look, there are like 50 okay. characters I can say. They're in... They are in a quantum superposition right now. Whoever you say that's going to determine my choice all right well then i'm gonna take tevish thought from you because i knew you were gonna say um i love tevish thought i think that that is a really cool character and i want to see a card see brian Uh, that's an opinion i can agree with (laughs) don't care (laughs) um and then my next one is gonna be kind of a bend of the rules i want a merit lage card Ooh, i like it i'm sad that i didn't pick that oh Good job. Liked it. I was thinking about that earlier when we were going over some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, and I was like, you know, she doesn't have a card. She just has a token. So let's get let's get her a real card. She has she has two token makers. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing we talked about with Gavin last year. Uh, you know, you know what? It, what if Marilage got a just a card, like a creature card? That was her. Chris, I'm surprised. I I was expecting one of yours to be Helen Elena. Uh, the trap of the lesbian trappers from Innistrad. I, I am hoping they get a card someday. 
Commander Legends would be a good place. Uh, they they are characters that Gavin had mentioned. Uh, he re- he really wants to get printed, uh, and this is a set where those kinds of things get printed. So uh, please give us Hal and Elena. I I'm currently building a Saskia lesbians deck, and and they would be perfect in there. So I would like to see them. God, we'll we'll find out. We don't even know when that's coming out. I'm so excited. We know nothing about it, and I'm so excited because I I actually love limited formats, and I didn't used to. But I've started like warming up to them, but only really for like these really cool sets. Like Modern Horizons was one of my favorite things to ever draft. Uh, Thank you. And so Commander Legends, I'm looking at as like, this is a limited set. This is designed for drafting. I'm so excited about that idea of drafting Commander decks. Yeah, I've seen some people do like Commander cubes. Uh, I don't know how Gavin and the team decided to make this one because like like they figured out how to draft two-headed giant for battle bond so like I, i'm sure they will figure out something cool for commander legends uh how that's gonna work we'll see but yeah i i'm so excited to to try that out then so our next question is from at we will keep watch you know like the gatewatch uh, and the question is, I'm pretty sure Karn is made of silver because that was the only element that could survive time travel, right? If I'm right with that, then uh, how come Sarkin was able to ruin Tarkir like he did? That is a leading question. I don't believe Tarkir was ruined. Um, <laughs> that is not the topic of we are not doing Dragon Lord discourse. This is about time travel. <laughs> uh... So, so the reality is, Karn is silver because of the specific time travel experiments Urza was doing. Only silver worked for that. Uh, that doesn't mean that silver is the only element in the multiverse that can travel through time. Clearly, that's not true. Teferi is a time wizard. Uh, there are other time travel mechanic-y things that happen in magic. Uh, Sarkin's is really weird um, in that... Not even Ugin knows what happened, and apparently Ugin's spirit in a timeline that never existed is the thing that made it work. When Sarkin kind of poops back into the present in Dragons of Tarkir, he travels to Ugin's tomb, and, and Ugin is there, uh, resuscitated by Sorin. And uh, Sarkin talks to Ugin, and Ugin is like, who the hell are you? You're weird. And Sarkin is like, Ugin, you're alive. I just saved your life a thousand years ago. And Ugin's like, say what? Uh, how? And Sarkin's like, you led me there. And Ugin's like, I don't remember doing any of that. That's weird. Yay, time travel. Sarkin's like, how did I even get back here? How does the time travel even work? And Ugin's like, I don't even know what you did, so... I have no opinion. This is really bizarre. Uh, so we kind of like don't know. However, the time travel magic worked. It's kind of lost in a time that never existed, which seems like a cop out answer. But all time travel stories are cop outs because time travel stories are bad. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we're all going to really appreciate Sarkon telling Ugin that Ugin has the ability to do time travel because Ugin didn't know that apparently. Well, apparently, apparently part of it required him to die. Uh, well. Who knows? Knowing Ugin, Ugin will do it. Ugin will die just to time travel something. Look, he ended up okay. Uh, and then our final question is, do you think that the art effect on Moonblade Shinobi suggests that they and the Wanderer might be from the same plane? 
or at least that the Wanderer wields a Moonblade. And that is from at, I can't pronounce this because it's a bunch of letters. It's D-M-M-Y-C-C-N-T hyphen blog hyphen blog. Is that supposed to be like dummy account? Oh, that would make sense. Blog blog. I don't know. They did not have an avatar on Tumblr, so I assume it's someone's side blog that they use for questions. But uh, this is referring to uh, the Wanderer, who uh, kind of when she sweeps her sword and, and swings it, there's there's an effect in, in the wake of the sword. And uh, Moonblade Shinobi, one of the ninjas from Modern Horizon, uh, that is uh, swinging their sword and has a similar kind of distortion effect. Um, this is just a distortion effect on sword swings to imply action. There's no real connection here, um, and there's no real implication that the Wanderer is from the same plane as this character, because we know the home planes of neither of these cards. Uh, so, they, they, yeah, that that's just an art quirk. Um, if you look at sword swings throughout magic art, throughout magic history, uh, you'll see similar effects. If you look at illustrations of sword art throughout history... Uh, you know, especially in gaming, uh, you'll see similar effects. It's it's just it's just a a technique in a still image of implying motion and showing direction and force. Uh, so th that's just kind of a little visual quirk. I will say that uh, Wonder Strike from War of the Spark shows that sort of movement, uh, and it's sort of implying part of the Wanderer's power set, where she can absorb the the energy and then release it through her sword. And Moonblade Shinobi is specifically summoning an illusion whenever she hits someone. So it's sort of similar looking effects, but implying different magic styles as well. So I'm going to just say no relation. I have nothing to add because those are far more thorough than anything I would have said. All right. So that's going to do it for listener questions this week. And uh, now we're going to move on to our feature, which is Happy Birthday Vorthos cast. Uh, I wanted to sing the birthday song, but nobody wants to sing it with me, so I guess that's just not going to happen. But first, like, I just kind of like want to look back at the last year. Uh, so, so our first birthday episode was episode fifty-six. We're now on episode one hundred two, uh, and uh, it's not exactly fifty-two for fifty-two weeks because we took some weeks off in there. So math and fifty-six, not fifty-one, or not. 52 was our first birthday episode because there were some extra episodes in there because we were really ambitious early on in in the podcast's history <laughs> so we've had a a busy year since since last march so uh la last march would have been shortly before War of the spark came out and shortly before we started doing War of the spark stuff so you know, we had an episode at the end of 2019, our last episode in the year, that kind of summed up 2019 in in the Vorthos community, in in magic, in the production of stories, and the reception of stories, and the the trials and tribulations that that went along with everything. Uh, it was it was a hectic year. The podcast largely did well, though. Uh, we we did lots of cool things that I would like to do more of in the future. Um, we really started doing interview episodes, uh, which is something I adore. We've had, uh, we've had Gavin on twice and Ethan Fleischer on once for Modern Horizons. And then uh, we recently had James Wyatt on to talk about Theros from the creative team. And uh, I, I love the interview episodes. They are so much fun. 
for me personally, uh, some of them are folks I worked with on the sets, so we get to kind of reminisce about work we did like a year prior or roughly there so. And uh, otherwise, like, I, I always just love hearing behind-the-scenes stories about things, and, and uh, interviews let us do that. It, it, we have lots of laughs. I still... The James the James episode is so oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> James is phenomenal. He has a fantastically hearty laugh. He's a delightful human. We had so much fun. I want to do I want to do more interviews in this next year. But like Chris, you you are a recent addition to the podcast. I am very recent. This is like what your seventh episode, I think. I think it is. Yep. And uh, you've. So before this, you've been listening, and and uh, so talk talk about listening to the podcast and like being a fan. One of the things that I I did very early on was become a live listen patron, uh, Patreon patron, uh, Patreoni, and I think that the live listen tier is awesome, and I'm always. It was always like one of my favorite things to do on a Thursday night was jump into chat and listen to the podcast being recorded and comment along and feed Brian some final thoughts <laughs> and make fun of uh, Lorelai while you were trying to record. And I really enjoyed that part of it. And it really does sort of change the listening experience, but it also had me really appreciate the podcast a lot from a different perspective. Uh, you mentioned the interview episodes and the interview episodes are some of my favorites, both the one I got to do with James Wyatt, which was awesome because James Wyatt is sort of like an inspiration and a goal. And also from a listener point of view, doing the live listens with the guest was a lot of fun because some things never made it to the actual podcast. And also it's just really cool to listen to sort of conversations with magic people like Gavin Verhey and Ethan Fleischer talking about making a set. Yeah. So from a listener point of view, this has been a really cool year because there's also been so much like the gathering storm was 20 stories, which is so much story. Please wizards never do that again. <laughs> like I, it was, it was a huge story and it was like really, really good, but that was so much story. To talk about. Oh my god. And from a listener point of view, it was so good for me because I could listen to people talk about the story and I read a lot of it but I'll be honest and say I never read some of the chapters, but I listened to the Vorthos cast and it felt like okay, I know what happened and then I read the next chapter and I wasn't like confused. So I definitely appreciated over this last year how much the cast really delved into talking about the stories that were coming out and making sure that everyone was kept up to date on them. Cause there was a lot of story content in this last year. Yeah. That, that has always been one of the main goals of the podcast is that we know not everybody is going to read all the stories and uh, not reading the story shouldn't be a barrier to understanding what's happening. So uh, providing good summaries for the stuff that is currently being published and for, for old content as well is um Something we pride ourselves in doing. Uh, so, like, one of the things we did last year, we had a uh, a three-week series just on the Weatherlight Saga. Uh, one of the most pitiful storytelling. Um, I said pitiful. 
I meant pivotal, <laughs> but I actually do mean pitiful because I don't like the Willow Light Saga. Uh, it's it's one of those pivotal storytelling uh, moments in magic history. It's when magic really tried to do a big overarching story uh, block to block to block, year to year to year. And we covered that because that happened 25 years ago. <laughs> so, you know, 20 to 25 years ago. So that is a thing that a lot of people who are fans you know, Justin's origins have not read. Uh, so we wanted to cover that and give some backstory to that because some of it matters now. Uh, Karn and Teferi are still around. Uh, we are still seeing the complications of the war with Frexia. Uh, so so that's just kind of stuff uh, we like to go over sometimes too. Uh, I, I would like to do some older stuff like that sometime. We should really do like a two-part summary session on the odyssey and onslaught blocks but that would require us to like read those novels and they are regarded as some of the worst look here i enjoyed <laughs> them thank you very much you're you're allowed to enjoy them the problem is i don't know if anybody else is going to be willing to read them to do those <sighs> i'm just surprised that you want to talk about otaria look there there's some cool things in those stories they're just overall not great uh, you can talk about. I I just want to talk about slivers, um, <laughs> which had very, which had no presence in those books at all. Nope, they're not great. Kamal was sweet. I get he he gets better. I I I did I did start trying to read. I think the Odyssey novel, and I think I got like five pages in before I was like, oh, I do not want to continue this because it wasn't relevant to anything, so I don't have to read it. No, well, to each their own. From a listener point of view, to sort of counter the other point of view I just had about talking about individual stories and giving those summaries and background, I also really liked one of my favorite episodes of the year, which I had a bunch, but one of my very favorite ones was an introduction to multiversal metaphysics and just having a discussion all about one sort of overarching aspect of magic lore and really delving into sort of the details and the concepts and the theory behind that, that makes the whole lore world work. And I really appreciate that. It was one of my favorite episodes we did last year. You might not know this, but I am a huge fan of Magic the Gathering lore. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love big picture stuff. I adore world building. I get to do a little bit of it in my work with uh, creative text writing and... Uh, not so much world building, but character building on on arena. But but some some of that is unveiling the texture of a set. Um, so like writing for Theros means uh, Theros Beyond Death means that uh, in the scripts that I'm writing for Arena, I kind of want to get some of the feel and the themes from the set into those scripts. So, so that that's kind of tangential to world building. But uh, yeah, I I love how things work. That's true for real life. That's true for the fantasy and sci-fi ips i'm a fan of i adore the multiverse uh the metaphysics of magic it was a cool episode i still want to do a follow-up and, and delve a little bit more deeply into some specific topics i i also appreciate so so i i handle a lot of our social media stuff and, and you know i'm i'm I do the editing and, and the posting. So I end up writing most of the uh, episode titles. I g generally keep them pretty basic and clean. Just, you know, I, I want the episode title to tell you what the episode is about. I, it's, it's pretty simple. I don't like to get cutesy with it. Um, 
but this one i i had a lot of fun uh with this one because it it just sounds like a college course <laughs> like like if you went to the talarian academy on dominaria like this sounds like one of your introductory uh history courses uh and and i i thought that was really cute before we move on i want to just let everyone know it's episode 79 just so you can look it up later because i didn't say what number it was if that's the kind of thing you're interested in and have not listened to it, uh, definitely go back and check it out. That's a, that's a fun one. I guess going forward, my favorite thing uh, from this past year was the Atlanta meetup where uh, I got to meet a lot of the people um, who listened to our podcast, which was awesome. Also, um, we, the Vorthos cast, actually met for the first time in person. Uh, like I'd met Carrie at GP Vegas a couple of years ago, but other than that, I don't think I'd met Jay or Lorelai or Chris in person ever. So, well, Chris wasn't on the show yet. Yeah, but, but I still was there. I still met him, and and we yeah. definitely met in person before and just not realized. It. Yeah, I was just about to say that that that's possibly that probably did happen, but I couldn't tell you if it happened or when it happened. So. Uh, but yeah, and the uh, the Weatherlight deck challenge was sweet, where I won, and no one can ever take that away from me. So yeah, that that was fun. We had uh, four of us built commander decks using new legends from uh, the commander set that year that were all from the Weatherlight saga. So uh, Brian, you built Tongarth, right? Yep. Um, Carrie built Gerard. I built Volrath, and um, Jay built Greven. And uh, so the four of us played a commander game. Who who among the Weatherlight Saga is going to take home the crown? And uh, that ended up being Tongarth because you kind of didn't do a whole lot in the game. So you weren't the focus of anyone's attention. And then you just kind of exploded out of nowhere and just destroyed everybody when we were weakened. It was ugly. Yeah, I kind of pumped the heck out of Tongarth with all the random equipment and or pump spells that were all flavorful flavorful in one manner or another so i actually got to watch that game from i was sitting at the table watching it and if i remember correctly there was like a really big flavor win when grevin was killed by uh your deck lorelei oh my god no volrath why is the name uh, just this oh no, no so i, I um, killed everybody you killed everybody. Yes, I, oh. I, I'm the person who dealt lethal to every person at the table. The the big flavor moment with that is um, I cast the card Dominate to gain control of Grevin. Yes. Oh, that was what it was. Dominate is a card uh, that depicts Volrath gaining control of Grevin because Grevin is kind of a loose cannon and reminding Grevin that like, hey, I'm in charge. You're my <laughs> lackey. Like, stay in line. Um, so uh, I mid combat got to gain control of uh, Grevin from Jay uh, with my Volrath deck, which was really cool. Yeah, that, that was fun. Uh, that that weekend was really fun, except for the part where I got sick. But, uh, you know, it was fantastic meeting everybody. Um, I got to hang out with uh, a bunch of other friends who were uh, there. Uh, met a couple other people that uh, I had wanted to meet who I hadn't met before. Uh, you know, the internet folks. Uh, yeah, and we all met Chris. And, and little did any of us know that you would join the podcast. I definitely didn't know. Well, we didn't either because that was in like September, I think. Yeah, I think so. That was, that was many, many months ago. I took you all to brunch slash picked a place to go for brunch and made you all go. And that was great. That, that place was amazing. 
that was a really fun time. I really enjoyed it. Getting to hang out and like meet people was really fun and play some commander games and watch Carrie play their, uh, what was it? It's their Oathbreaker deck with Obnixilis as the, as the Planeswalker Oathbreaker and every other card in it was pre, it was like nine, it was 93, 94. <laughs> and that was just a really fun deck to watch because you never see anyone actually play like Drudge Skeletons in any constructed format. Yep. Can't say that I have. For when I was younger, I did play that card a lot. Uh, thinking about anyway, um, <laughs> did anyone have a favorite preview card that the cast did? Mine was D Spark. I don't believe that yours was D Spark because we previewed uh, Merit Lage's Slumber. Well, Merit Lage's Slumber was sweet, but like, like in context to everything else, I'm just super glad the Volus Arc is over, at least for the time being. <laughs> That's fair. No, I, I really enjoyed uh, the Merrill Age of Slumber. So, so uh, Modern Horizons was the first set I wrote creative text for. So so I knew Merrill Age of Slumber was going to be a card that was going to be coming out. I, I didn't know exactly when Modern Horizons was set to release. Um, but I knew, like, so like while I was working on the set, um, you know, the podcast had started. We had talked about Merrill Age. And, and you know, th- there has been a running joke in the Vorthos community uh, since Shadows of Arinistrad that... Uh, um, you know, every set antagonist is Merit Lage. Because a lot of people looking at uh, Shadow of Renistrad were like, it's definitely Merit Lage. And I'm like, no, there's like 70 clues that all point to Emrakul. <laughs> and there's like one card that references the Dark Depths art. In a set where there were multiple arts that referenced other cards from Magic History. Uh, which was a neat thing, by the way, that like was really not talked about much about that set. Um, but that was a cool thing. Anyway... Um, so, uh, knowing that there was a Merit Lage card coming, I, I kind of got a, uh, the podcast's official catchphrase for like a year was, it's never Merit Lage. And I wholeheartedly disu- or disputed that. Yeah, you, you got bratty about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, so it, it became a fun catchphrase, um, because I knew Merit Lage was going to show up eventually. Um, in in this new card in Modern Horizons, and uh, we uh, I think at that point we had not yet gotten a preview card, um, or had just gotten in Bolus's clutches for Dominaria. I don't remember, but like I, I was desperately hoping when Modern Horizons came out that we could get Marilage's Slumber and preview that card. So for a year, I made it's never Marilage or catchphrase. It's something that our entire fan base. Uh, you wonderful folks who listen to our podcast, uh, all bought into, and it was a load of fun. And then uh, Modern Horizons comes out, and they're handing out preview cards, and we get Merrily Just Slumber. And it was perfect. You know, it, I, I didn't know if the joke would ever pay off. I took a gambit. It was a gambit play, and it worked. So we got the card, and and I, I remember... Feeling a little bad because I, because uh, uh, I, I was like, "Look, folks, I don't want to show you the card before we record the episode." I know that's kind of mean because we're not going to record it for like a week and a half or whatever. But like, I really want live reactions, <laughs> which we got to do, and and that was so like Brian, you screamed so loud <laughs> when you saw that it was a merit lage card. Uh, it 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 that that reaction really made that year of lying uh, worth it, uh, which is always nice. Uh, I I 
so do love lying and deception and manipulation. <laughs> Typical blue player. Um, <laughs> it's true. Hashtag blue mage. Uh, no, I, I like little pranks. I like little jokes. I, I, it's, it's fun. Uh, it's enjoyable for me. And, and that one really paid off. I, that, that was one of my favorite moments in, in the last year. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy we got to do that. That was, uh, uh, super shout out to Blake, uh, Rasmussen over at Wizards of the Coast for, for helping make that happen too. Uh, Giving us that preview card, that was, gosh, that was great. Yeah, that was a fun moment. My favorite moment was almost killing Jay in our D and D session when I was throwing my Kyrados given javelin, and um, it wasn't super funny in the moment. But like, oh, look- it was so funny in the moment. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I thought it was hel- I thought it was hilarious, but I could hear in your voice how mad you were. <laughs> yeah that like it's definitely one of those things where it looked like when i listened to the episode after the fact like it was super funny but it was just like oh my god why is this happening to me at this at, in the moment but just like oh man it, it was <sighs> i can't believe it happened like i could not have scripted that episode <laughs> to go any better that whole that whole entire fight was fantastic yeah, we so so we recently did, uh, you know, because Theros Beyond Death didn't have a story, so we had some episodes to fill because we didn't have a story to talk about. So we did a four-episode little mini-campaign set on Theros with uh, three plane-bound characters going on a little adventure called Asphodel and Sulphur. That uh, this is uh, we brought Chris onto the episode to do this. Uh, Chris had run uh, a couple one-shots on the podcast uh, Discord server. And, uh, you know, I, I had participated in, the, in those and, and really enjoyed playing with Chris. Uh, he's he's a well, thank you. damn good DM. Damn yep. fun. Oh. Very, very much looking forward to where we go with D&D in the future. But uh, so I was like, yo, Chris, uh, we need some time to fill. Want to come do a D&D thing? We'll do like a little Let's Play. Uh, so we did that. And then we were like, hey, Chris, do you want to just like be on podcast? Because uh, at this point, uh, Carrie and Ashley both had official resignations. Uh, we'll miss them. And they are always invited back to do podcasts whenever they want. But uh, so we, we, we were down to three people and we were like, four is good because like two people can be gone and we can still have an episode fire, which is nice. And I think it's going to happen next week because uh, Jay is still on vacation. And uh, I don't. Brian, you're going on vacation? Yeah, I'm going to have that the thing? my wisdom teeth out next week. So. Oh, that's not vacation. Your wisdom teeth, your teeth are going on vacation forever. Yeah. <laughs> Brian will be going on a trip. Let's just put it that <laughs> Yeah, pain meds out the wazoo. Haha, <laughs> drug references. Um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh. No, so so we did the D&D thing, and that was honestly so much fun. I, I have not been playing D&D for very long, like a year and a half. It's so much fun. Uh, I, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot more into like small indie role playing games now. Um, you know, especially like one session stuff, because then you don't have to like get a bunch of people together for multiple weeks to do a thing. But D and D is still a blast. Um, it is a fantastic tactical simulator and uh, fun storytelling. I I had a blast uh, playing a, a really rowdy action movie one liner spewing gladiator golem. Uh, I like building characters. <laughs> it was good that that is uh i guess this is a good segue into kind of uh where we are hoping to go in the next year um quickly uh i really want to do more D. uh that's something we've talked about and i i think that's something i want to do with every standard set especially so like uh we know uh story is coming back uh, korea will have an ebook 
Uh, here's the thing with ebooks is they take one episode to cover. So whereas like even even you know in a set like Rivals of Ixalan where there were only five episodes that that would still take five weeks to cover. Uh, with an ebook it takes one episode, so we still have some space to fill. And uh, you know with Eldraine that was easy because we had Gathering Storm still running, so we were able to fill in with Gathering Storm and and not have to worry about filling some time with other things. Uh, you know that multiversal metaphysics episode was one of those kind of filler episodes. Well, one thing I want to do uh, moving forward is do like four or five part D and D sessions uh, tied to whatever the standard set is. Uh, so when Akoria comes out, I, I very much want to do a D and D campaign set on Akoria. I, I don't think we've settled on when we want to do Planeswalkers yet. Um, I think I would like to start them in M twenty one because Chris, you have an idea for that that we're not going to talk do. about on the air. Um, but it's a cool idea and I like it and I want to do it. Uh, so I think we might do that with, uh, M21. Cause, uh, one of the things, um, I want to do is if we're going to have like D and D be a recurring thing. Um, I think I want us to have recurring characters that this is just, this is kind of me like thinking out loud, um, as a podcast producer is, is I think it would be neat because we only do four episodes, like every three months. And, uh, having the same characters kind of lets us dip in and out of that narrative uh, over time and lets us, you know, like level up characters and develop, uh, you know, potential narrative arcs that last longer than just four episodes, which is like, it's like four hours of D&D-ish, uh, you know, which is like a one shot most of the time. Mm-hmm. And and that's not a lot of opportunity for storytelling. We, we move pretty quick through those. Um, if, if we keep the same characters set to set, I think that lets us build some larger narratives, uh, which I like the idea of. And that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to start something like that in, uh, core 21, uh, this summer. Well, we'll obviously talk more about it when we get closer to it, but, uh. Yeah, I'll definitely just to jump off that for a hot second. Um, part of what I really enjoyed about and I know like there's if you go on Magic Twitter and you look at the Vorthos discourse revolving around Theros Beyond Death, there was a lot of people really upset that there wasn't a story. And I think that is a very valid thing to feel because we want to read like reading is a pleasure and reading stories is great. But one of my favorite things that came out of it was the Vorthos community kind of making their own story. And I want to move towards, I guess, one thing I'm looking forward to next year is some more of that and sort of building on the concept of doing fan fiction and doing D&D campaigns and taking that OC fan walker who you really love and putting it out there and telling people like, hey, this is my planeswalker. This is who I am. Here's my story on Ikoria. Here's my story on Zendikar. And just sort of sharing that with people because part of what makes magic so great is that it is a game system. It's not necessarily a game. And so you can play your own game inside of it. And if your game is telling the story of your characters, you can do that. So that's something I'm excited to do with D&D. If anyone has feedback about our Asphodel and Sulphur campaign and you want to share it with me, please do. Uh, I'm starting the a very, very initial process of planning some Ikoria stuff, and I want to hear what we did well and what you want to see more of and what we didn't do well and what you think I could improve on. And so, yeah, get at me with that. Just at me on Twitter, at ChrisRD19. That is who I am. I still think it's funny that you were like having 
inkling ideas about Ikori. You know what? You don't know a oh, damn. I know nothing. You don't know a damn thing about that world. There are kaiju. There are big monsters. We're gonna. I, I mean, we'll it find out. out in less than a month. Previews start at the end of this month, and probably, uh, probably in a couple weeks, we'll get our first kind of exclusive media preview stuff. Oh, I hope we get a preview card. I haven't got to do a preview card. That would be really fun. Oh, you haven't yet. That's right. Yeah, preview cards are fun. Um, preview cards have gotten really interesting now that they're like art sets that I've worked on. Um, so like uh, Modern Horizons, we got to preview a card that I already knew about. Um, I did not work on Eldraine uh, or World of Spark. Uh, World of Spark was interesting because I knew the story. Um, I just didn't know the card set. And then uh, what the hell did we preview for Theros? I don't even remember. Oh no. Um it was Oh, Final Beth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, which is a card, you know, you know I, I I knew about um I cuz I I worked on Theros Beyond Death and you know, I, I worked on Akoria, I worked on uh, Zendikar. Uh so um if we get more preview cards this year, uh preempted thank you to Wizards of the Coast for the pre- free preview card. <laughs> but uh you know, you know, these are sets that I worked on, so I get to see, you know, I, I get to be one of the people that, like, brings one of the pieces of that set that I helped make into the world, which is a really cool feeling. Being someone who works on magic and then who gets to talk about it later is kind of fun, um, especially stuff that ties to Arena. I, I, I have to stay pretty tight-lipped about flavor tech stuff, but um, I have a little more freedom to talk about my Arena work. Um, so any time that I get to, like, talk about that, uh, it's really exciting for me because, like, it this is this is part of my work. I I have authorship in in some of this stuff now. I know so many things. You don't even y'all don't even know the depths to which I know things. Um, and it's it's tricky sometimes because there there are topics that I just have to avoid. You just said the word depths, so I'm going to assume that means dark depths <laughs> reprint in Aquaria. Yep, awesome. Called it. Confirmed. <laughs> I mean, we'll find Lage, out. We'll find out in April, and uh, you know, I'm I've gotten very good at the the non-answers. Uh, you know, you know, Mark has the maybe with the smiley face that he does on uh, Blanca Talk on Tumblr, and then I usually have a guess. We'll find out in whatever month the thing releases. The 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 good the good non-answer. I can't talk about a thing. It's it's been interesting. It's been exciting to watch people, you know, to see the things that people latch on to and get excited about. Because um, I have, like, you know, I I know the community. I know I know what folks like. I can predict things that people will latch on to. And sometimes it's the things that I predict. And sometimes people, you know, the community still surprises me. Uh, and that's always exciting to watch. Uh, so, so I, like, I, I, I know a lot about this year. And... Uh, I'm very interested to see what reactions will be this year. I'm very excited for Akoria. I'm very excited for Zendikar. Uh, I know a little bit about Core 21. Um, I'm excited to see see the rest of the set. Um, I'm excited to see reactions to the things that I do know about the set. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited to learn things I, I don't know anything about. Uh, Jumpstart, which is uh, out this summer. It's this weird new uh, booster product. I don't know anything about Commander Legends. Uh, Commander Legends is a product that is like aimed directly for us. Oh yeah, Forthoses and largely Commander players. So um, you know, I I get to be part of that preview season and part of that excitement, which is something I don't get very often. So so that that really excites me that I get to be part of that again. I'll actually get to play in a pre-release. Yeah, Ma- Magic is doing cool things this year. I'm I'm very excited for it. 
I hope everyone else is. I, I know last year was rough, and uh, this year started out really rough. The uh, not having the Thera story was was a bummer. I I hope I hope a lot of that gets repaired this year. Um, mm-hmm. It was a bummer. It, it, people were not good and not doing good, and it, you know it's a bummer to see uh, people who are invested in the game and who care about magic a lot not happy with it. It's a bummer to see you know, the stories being produced uh, kind of falter and and not be the best they can be. I would like to see a lot of that kind of get repaired this year. Uh, I I hope it will. Uh, we will see. I Here's here's to one more year of the Vorthos cast, I guess. Brian, what are, what are you looking forward to next year? Because I don't think you really answered that question yet. I think these will kind of suffice as our final thoughts, by the way. Yes. <laughs> My final thought and hope for next year is that we can somehow find a way to do something next year similar to the Atlanta meetup. Maybe if not exactly that, but you know, that would be really cool. But you know, maybe we'll see the D and D games. I'm definitely looking forward to, and I can't wait to see what we get in commander legends. Cause there's so much potential. Cause the re like the, the, the character that they've hinted at, at getting new cards is super exciting to me just seeing that the art for that Jessica Planeswalker because it, it's it's clearly Jessica like all the the Vorthos flavor gems from Commander Legends it's really intriguing so I can't wait to see what what spoiler or preview card that we get um, so that would be really cool to see yeah I I hope we do um, it seems like a set that we can do some good work with with a card yeah I guess that's our final thoughts Chris what are you looking forward to. You gotta do one. Oh, I I kind of answered. I said that I'm, I guess to to do a more structured final thought. I'm really excited for the future and looking forward to more fan created story for Magic the Gathering. I think that there's a lot of room and it's a lot of open space there for us. I know Ruben Bresler did a fantastic job with a lot of people on the Broken Pact doing that D and D campaign set on Ravnica. They killed and it. I th- they, it was so good. It was so, so good. And I really hope they come back for another season. And it would be awesome if they put it on Theros. But anyways, um, and I know Carrie did the fan fiction project, which was some really wonderful work. And we've seen some really good story work coming from the community. And I'm hoping to see more of that going into next year. I'm going to be doing my part, hopefully, with D&D campaigns on the Vorthos cast. But I'm also going to try and see about doing more games on the server, on the Discord channel, and getting more involved in that aspect of community storytelling, because I really think we're doing it for ourselves, and we should remember that. We're really enjoying it, and I hope that more people will sort of join in. Basically, I'm telling you to tell me all about your D&D campaigns set on Magic Planes, tell me about your fan walkers, tell me about your fan fiction i want to hear your head canons i want to hear your speculations tell me about the really cool adventure that you wrote with teo and davriel i want to hear that yeah that is my final thought so you say teo and davriel and i'm just thinking about set of a woman now but um that's neither here nor there <laughs> uh and speaking of wonderful fans in our community uh if you want to help support the Forthos cast and keep us going for another year, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Forthos cast and donate today. Uh, your funds go to keeping this podcast running. Uh, we are 
do for our uh, SoundCloud subscription. Um, but, uh, you know, as as part of uh, a, a thank you for supporting us, we have some neat rewards. Uh, everyone gets to join our Discord community and uh, join that community of Orthoses that are running games and talking about things and producing content. And, and we love y'all. And uh, we've once a month, we've got a short episode called Pull from the Deep, which is just like a little bonus episode about some random magic tangent uh, that wouldn't go into normal episode. Uh, and then our top tier is the live lesson, which uh, Chris talked about earlier. That's uh, Thursday nights at 7 to 7.30 Eastern time is when we record. You get to hear the podcast a couple days early. You get to hear all our mistakes during it that get cut out in the final edits. You get to chat with us before and after. It's a lot of fun. Uh, very rewarding for the the folks that do that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's that's one year. Well, it's two years. Well, it's two years, but it's one year since the last year. That's what makes it a birthday, an anniversary. That is the definition of two years, yes, is one year since the last year. Okay, this is this is getting too semantic. Yeah, they, th- thank you all uh, for listening over the past year, and uh, this has been the Vorthos Cast. <laughs>